Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. It's been a good morning already, hasn't it? It's been a blessing. There's a lot of good things going on at this church, and I would just agree with Pastor Mike. We have an incredible team of people, and for all of you that are part of that, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, all the volunteers that make all these teams work as well. Thank you. We have an incredible church in so many ways. Today, we're taking a break from Revelation, and I just want to bring a really short, a shorter message um, about why we do parent-child dedication. We've already talked about it a few things. We've mentioned a few things. You've heard some incredible testimonies this morning from parents, and you've heard in those videos the heart of those parents to raise up their children to know the Lord. And that's really the main thing we want to talk about. But in addition to that, then what's the church's role? If the parents are the primary disciple makers in the homes of their children, which is biblically the case, then what is the role of the church? What do we do as a church family to come alongside that? That's what we're going to try to answer today. And so the title of the message today is simply called Dedicated to Discipleship. And we're going to see uh, the reason that I chose this title is because there's two primary reasons that we practice parent-child dedications, and they're going to be up on the screen. Reason number one that we practice this is that parents are dedicated to discipling their children. Parents stand before the congregation just like they did today to publicly confess and declare their commitment to faithfully raising their children to know the Lord, which includes discipling them and being faithful no matter the outcome. The second reason we do parent-child dedication is that our church is publicly dedicated to encouraging and equipping parents in that role, right? We're coming alongside all members of the Mission Church acknowledge and we are affirming today that the parent's role is primary, but the church's role is to come alongside in, in a supplemental way to encourage and equip those parents and those children and partner with parents along the way. And so we're going to unpack a couple of these reasons uh, a little bit more in detail today. This might not be new to some of you. It might be new to others. And so we're going to unpack it together, though. So reason number one, parents are dedicated to discipling their children. We just had a five-week series not too long ago about this topic called Family Discipleship and Family on Mission. If you didn't uh, hear that or you weren't a part of that or you're watching online and you don't know what I'm talking about, I would encourage you to go back in our sermon archives and watch that five-week series because I think it'll be helpful for you. But here we go, reason number one. Again, parents stand before the church to publicly declare that they're dedicating their children or themselves to raise their children in a manner that is consistent with biblical truth and to disciple their children in the faith according to God's design and plans. And that's, that's important, that last sentence there, according to God's design. You know, there's a lot of ways you could raise a kid, right? There's a lot of ways you could raise your family. But as believers, we want to do our best to not only raise our children within God's design, but even as the church, we want to come alongside that as well. And parents are commanded in Scripture to be the primary source of spiritual influence in the life of their children. And so we're going to look at two Old Testament passages today that talk about that. There are New Testament ones as well, and those will be mentioned as well. But if you've got your Bibles this morning, I would encourage you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have a phone or a tablet, then you can tap to Deuteronomy 6. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 9. 
Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Before we get any further, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the, the wonderful time of worship celebration, and commissioning that we have already had here this morning. I thank you, Father, for a church where we've got families, multiple generations deep, that desire to raise their children to know you. Thank you for a church with a long history of wanting to come alongside those parents to do the same. And Father, as as we continue to to labor on in this disciple-making journey today, I pray that we would be found faithful So as we read these texts and discuss these things, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher in the room today, and I pray that you would be heard loud and clear to each person in the way that they need to hear whatever they need to hear. May I be an instrument in your hands for the sake of your glory and for the sake of the encouragement of the believers here today in Jesus' name, amen. So in Deuteronomy 6, uh, there's a lot that we could say here, but I want to lead us into truth point number one. So if you've got your note guide, get ready to fill that out. Truth point number one that we see coming out of this passage is that Christian parents are commanded by God to be the primary teachers and influencers of their children. Now, not the only, right? They are not the only ones, as we've seen. We've got hundreds of people in this building that love our children and desire to teach and to influence as well, and we praise God for that, and we pray it never ends. Amen? It's a family affair. We are a family affair, but but parents, you can't miss this. You are commanded to be the primary teacher, the primary influencer. You know, there's a lot of talk in our world about social media influencers, right? Parents, you are the influencer. You're the one that the children are looking to and watching what you're doing. You notice that the way that, that, that Moses talks to the parents here, it summarizes of loving God and parents must love God. And then out of an overflow of that love, they are then to teach their children. Uh, one commentator summarized these verses this way, and I thought, thought it helpful, so I'm just going to read his words. He says, Moses was concerned that the message to Israel be passed on to their children. If this were to happen, the parents themselves first needed to internalize God's commands, allowing his words to become a vital part of their lives first. Second, they would then need to use every natural opportunity to communicate God's truth to their children. So do you catch that this morning? Notice two things. First, parents, the vibrancy of your faith is often very much connected to the vibrancy of your children's faith. You see that? Because they live with you day in and day out. My children live with me day in and day out, and as they would attest to, some days are good, some days are not so good. Dad is imperfect. Dad is in process as well. But the vibrancy of our faith influences the next generation. And more is caught than is taught, parents. So the way that we live our lives, they see it, They're interpreting, they're creating meaning by what they see in our life and in our home. So the question is, what are they seeing? What are they hearing? 
What kind of encouragement is being brought to them on a daily basis? Second, also notice that you can never underestimate the power of intentionality in the little mundane moments of your days. You know, we often think that life is simply the the sum of the big milestone moments in our life, but in reality, those are very few. You know, whether it's we're getting married or whether we have a child or that we go on some amazing vacation or uh, someone uh, graduates high school or college, those are great moments. But that's not really the sum of most of life. Those are just little blips on the radar. Life is made up of a thousand mundane little moments. Every single day, these little moments. And they often look very insignificant if we're not paying attention. But if we understand that our calling is to model a life of faith as imperfect as it is, if we're being honest, but to model a a, a humble, genuine dependence upon Christ every day to the best of our ability, our children are going to see that. In the mornings, we're reading the coffee at the table, where we're praying as a family, as we're going to church talking about what we learn from God's Word, as we study God's Word in our home, as we pray with the kids at bedtime, as we read the Word, whatever it is that we're doing, we're serving together, all these things, these little moments, the tone of voice that we have when we even discipline our children, all of these moments matter and are a sum and a collection of really what life is really about. And so when Moses says here to the people of Israel to teach them diligently, I just want to point out that that phrase, teach them diligently, means a proactive, consistent, and intentional process. There's no perfection required here, but it is proactive, it's intentional, and it's consistent. When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise, you know, all of those are pretty mundane moments, aren't they not? When you're walking to the car, when you're walking in the neighborhood, When you get up in the morning and your breath still smells terrible and you haven't brushed your teeth yet. Those are mundane little moments. When you're sitting at the breakfast table arguing about what's going to happen for breakfast or if the kid will eat the breakfast. Those are mundane little moments. But but Moses talks about those. When you rise, when you get up, when you walk, when you lie down. Those are pretty normal moments, are they not? But Moses is saying don't miss that. Don't miss that those are moments to teach them diligently, to model something, to impart something of godly faith and influence in their life. And then when he says to bind them on your, your, your hands, to write them on your hearts, this is about creating a family culture where loving God is front and center. You know, when the Jews would wear those things on their physical body or they'd write them on their gates of their homes, there was a reality that that was a public reality that people would see. It was a part of their normal life every day, every week. And so there's a culture in their home that this is normal, that we are serving Yahweh, that he is the front and center of our home. Wherever we go, he is the point. So this leads us to truth point number two. And we talk about everyday little moments. Number, truth point number two. Parents are commissioned by God to leverage their influence through formal and informal teachable moments formal and informal teachable moments you know one author has said it this way and I really like this quote I actually have it on a sticky note on my computer in my office because it reminds me about how to be a pastor a little bit better but also how to be a little bit better parent here's the quote there is a vital connection between being spiritually influential and spiritually intentional There's a vital connection between being spiritually intentional and being spiritually influential. So when I'm intentional in your spiritual life, hopefully that produces some influence in your life. When you are intentional with your kids, you will be exercising influence 
on those children. Passivity never gets anybody very far, does it? No? If you want to influence a person, you can't be passive. You can't be, you can't be apathetic. There has to be an intentionality to this. And parents, I know you desire to do that. And I know that you are. Keep going. Keep looking for those little moments where you can impart a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of truth. And parents, as you already know, I don't need to tell you, uh, as a parent myself of two kids, one who is 12 and one who is 5, this is a lifelong calling. It's a lifelong calling and commitment. I even have, I, they're not even out of the house yet, but parents that have kids that are outside the house have told me, it doesn't end, Brett. Once they graduate, parents that have kids that aren't at home, does it ever end? No? Okay, good. So I'm not, I'm not off the rails there. So it never ends. It's a lifelong calling. And we're building influence into their life. And so you can do this. I want to encourage you this morning that if you have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you and you have the Word of God as your resource, you have everything you need. You really do. And I know that seems like, well, there's got to be more. And there are other things that can be helpful. But you have the Spirit of God and you have the Word of God and you are within the people of God. Those are things that God's given you as a gift to know how to do this parenting thing. So leverage those divine resources that you've been entrusted with to be intentional in the everyday moments of life with your children. And remember, uh, church, you have to hear this. God has never called you to be perfect. He has never called you to be perfect in this parenting journey, ever. If that was the case, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come and you would not be entrusted with kids, okay? So can we just look, can we, can we lay down and let go of the reality that we sometimes feel like we're never good enough? You aren't. It's the very reason Jesus died on the cross for me and for you. We are not good enough, but he is sufficient. He is good enough, and he is gracious enough, and he is the strength and the source of all that we need to be a good parent. Amen? The second passage I want you to turn to is in Psalm 78. This is becoming a favorite passage of mine that I have recently read more and more of. Psalm 78. We're not going to read the whole thing. Don't worry. But Psalm 78, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. And again, notice how this passage shows us the importance of keeping God front and center, reminding the next generation and the one right now, reminding them of all the things that God has done for his people by grace. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to, my, to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. I want to go back through now and walk through a couple of those verses and point out a couple of things. So when we read that passage, 
I want to point out verse 3. Notice the things that we have heard and that we have known that our fathers have told us. So what's the implication here? The implication is that the transmission of God's instructions from one generation to another came through who? The Father. The transmission of God's instructions of how to live life from one generation to another came through the Father. And the mother, of course, by implication of a married couple. Fathers are transmitting God's instructions from one generation to another. We can't miss that. Verse 4, it says, We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell the coming generation of the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Parents, everyone look up here for a minute. It is our job to tell this generation and the next generation and the one to come. It is our job to tell them of the glorious things that God has done. Amen? Has God done glorious things, church? Has he done things in your life? Has he done things in the life of all believers from the beginning of time? That is important for our children to understand. Because in our world today, there's a lot of people that say God isn't real, he doesn't exist, and if he does, he's not good. Right? And we as believers understand, know, and believe that for thousands of years that that's not the case. God has always been good even when his people were not. He has always been good. He will always be good. So let's be a parent. Let's be a generation of people who are quick to tell our children, not just what he did for me, although we should do that too, but look what he's done throughout all of history. And lucky for us, God gave us a book that tells us all those beautiful stories of God's faithfulness, even when people were unfaithful. He is still good. Verses five and six, it says, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and to tell their children. Multiple times, three or four times in those two verses, it says to teach their children, teach their children, tell their children. You guys get the point, right? But fathers, again, notice, you've been commanded with a very unique calling as the husbands, as the leaders in your home, spiritual leaders in your home, you are commanded with a unique calling to lead the way in that, to lead the way. We see that echoed in Ephesians 6, 4 as well when the Apostle Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So dads, do not neglect this incredible calling. Do not downplay it. Prioritize it. And for those of you who might be a single mom in the room, just know God sees your situation. He knows exactly in the situation that you're in. And you, too, have that responsibility now to lead your family. And he will equip you through his spirit and through his word in that unique situation. You are not lesser because you're not the father. If you're in that situation, God has ordained you to take up that mantle and to disciple your kids. You are not lesser. You have the same beautiful calling. Amen? So strive together and to find community here at the church as well where we can come alongside you if that's the season that you are in. Verse 7 and 8, I also want to point out this. When we see the words, so that, that typically should indicate there's kind of a purpose statement coming. So that. They're just going to tell us what's kind of the purpose here. So this psalm begins by telling that the fathers should tell their children to the next generation that we should pass that on. Why? So that, in verse 7 we see that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but to keep his commandments. Church, we don't tell our children all of these things just so that they can have a great collection of biblical knowledge. 
That's a great aspect of that. We don't tell our children to do all these things about what God has done and said just so they'll be more obedient, although that's also great and important. We tell our children all that God has done and all that God continues to do. Why? So that they may set their hope in God. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the supreme goal of parenting is to raise them to know the Lord and hopefully by his grace to be adopted into his family to become a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God. Amen? To set their hope. There's so many things, again, in our world where the culture is begging children to set their hope in something other than Jesus. And our job as parents is to point them to the place where they see that their greatest source of stability, security, and hope is only found in Jesus Christ, only. Set their hope in God. And verse eight, and, so they, they should have to set their hope in God and, and that they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn and a rebellious generation. How many of you guys have read the Old Testament and know that Israel was often unfaithful to God? Pretty much every book, right? There's a cycle going on here. People were not always faithful. Some were, some were not. One really incredible illustration of this is when you read the book of Joshua at the end, we get to that very famous verse that we all know, Jeremiah or Joshua 24, 15, where it says, as for me and my house, we will. Everyone knows that. It's probably on a coffee mug somewhere in your house, right? We will serve the Lord. Fascinating. Joshua dies. Judges begins. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Does anybody want to know what happens after Joshua's generation? Right after Joshua dies, that generation was so faithful. They were so faithful. It says in Judges chapter 2 that the generation of Joshua faithfully served the Lord. And then Joshua died. And then it says this. And then there arose another generation after them that did not know the Lord or the work he had done. They did not know. They did not know the work of God. They didn't know what he has done. Church, how does that happen? How does one generation be faithful and then the next that grows up doesn't even know the Lord? Somebody dropped the ball on teaching them. Let's be a church. Let's be a family that is committed to not letting that happen. Amen? We cannot control the outcomes of salvation, right? Let's get that clear. We cannot control who gets saved and who doesn't. That is up to the Spirit of God. However, what we can control is we can tell the works of God. We can have a constant message to our children and our grandchildren, our kids, our families in this building. This is what God has done. He is real. He is true. He is the only place worth setting your hope and affections for all of life. And children, turn and follow Jesus. We can be a kind of church like that. Amen? We can be a church like that. We are a church like that. By the grace of God, let's not be a generation that is so busy with our world that we forget about raising up the next generation for theirs. It's not about us. We will pass. Their generation will come up. Let's be preparing them for the next generation of life and faith in God. So in these final two verses, we see that hopefully the purpose of intentionally raising children to know God is designed to hopefully result in four things. We would see that children will set their hope in God. We'll see that children will not forget what God has done. Children will live a life of obedience to God. And that children will not be like previous generations who've rejected God. That's the hope. 
So those four things, what a great prayer for you and I to pray today as we stood and watched all these families stand up here. Let's pray for these families that their children would set their hope in God, that their children would not forget what God has done, that their children would live a life of obedience, and that their children would not be rebellious like some other generations have been. Would you join me in that prayer for these families and every family that stands on this stage declaring they want to disciple their kids? So parents, we have an amazing opportunity to leave a legacy of faith, but it takes intentionality and purposefulness and a vision of never letting them forget what God has done. So this leads us to truth point number three. Truth point number three in your note, guys, is parents have been entrusted with the privilege of telling the next generation about the faithfulness of God so that children have every opportunity to put their hope in God and to live a life that is pleasing to God. So we have an opportunity to tell the next generation about the faithfulness of God so that hopefully they would put their hope in Him and that they would live a life that's pleasing to Him. How many of you would love to see that of every child that goes to our church? (laughs) Me too. Now here's where we get to how that relates to everyone else in the room. Parents, you know your role You have been dedicated today. All of us who have kids are dedicating themselves to raising their children. But how does that then relate to the rest of us? Some of you are empty nesters. Some of you um, may not even have kids, and you're going, well, what's my role? Do I just passively watch? No, we all have a role to play. And this gets into reason number two, that we do parent-child dedications the way that we do. Here's reason number two. The second reason that we do the dedications the way that we do is to remind our church that our church family, our family of faith, is to be dedicated to encouraging and equipping parents. So this, this is not just for pastors. This is not just for pastors to do. It's not just for our children's ministry staff to do. This is for everybody in the building that calls the Mission Church their home. We all have a role to play. It's going to look different, but we all have a role to play. Um, here's what this looks like a little bit. Um, we're a spiritual family. And how many of you know that in your family, there's many different members that do very different things, right? You know, my wife has certain talents and abilities that I don't have. I have talents and abilities that she doesn't have, and so we have to work together. But then as a big family, there's all sorts of giftedness, experience, and wisdom in this room that all of us can benefit from one another as well as the children and young adults that are growing up here in our church. And it necessitates then that we all partner together with mutual support along the way. That it's not just, well, that's the children's ministry's job. I don't do children's ministry. That's not my thing, right? That's not, that shouldn't be our heart. Our heart is, how can I be influential in the life of that child in some way, shape, or form? Maybe it's supporting the parents. Maybe it's coming alongside mom and dad and encouraging them as they raise the kids. Maybe it is serving. Maybe there's other ways. But I want to say this. Uh, discipleship is a team sport. Discipleship is a team sport. Mike and I, Adam, our staff, we're, we're not the MVP players. We're just coaches. We're just coaches trying to call some plays, trying to encourage the body, and hopefully see this whole thing called disciple-making happen in every aspect of our church. So whether you're young, old, single, empty nester, if you are a member or a tender of TMC, you have an opportunity to influence the next generation by living a faithful life, and by telling others about the faithfulness of God. And this leads us to truth point number four. Truth point number four, every believer, every believer within the context of a local church 
is uniquely commissioned to actively participate and contribute to the discipleship of children through the places they serve, the things they say, and the life they model. The places that you serve, the things that you say, and the life that you model. All of those things contribute to the overall disciple-making culture here at TMC that we desire to create. Now, as a parent of two children myself, I've already said they're both here, Jonathan, raise your hand. There's my son, Jonathan, and my daughter, Maddie. That's my little daughter, Maddie. She's five. So as a, as a parent, I am so grateful for the multitude, multitude of people at this church that invest in my kids, right? The, the, the youth leaders for my son, who's now in middle school youth group, that they're speaking into his life multiple times a week. They're encouraging him and his faith. They're praying for him. They're in small group discussions with him, challenging his faith, challenging his worldview, providing opportunities for him to learn and to grow, to see other Christian people that are not like me, modeling faith for him, modeling godliness, modeling character and integrity to him. So for all of you who are leaders in the youth ministry, Pastor Adam, and all that are involved investing in the middle school and high school youth group, thank you. Thank you for investing and being another voice in the life of my son, hopefully saying the same things. Awana leaders, Sunday school teachers, all who are involved in speaking the truth to my five-year-old little girl, thank you. You're investing in her multiple times a week. You're praying for her. You're loving on her. You're telling her Bible stories. You're listening to her Bible verses. You're modeling character. You're telling her Bible stories. You're being a godly example of character and integrity. Tracy, Jessica, Laura, and all the volunteers in Awana and all the volunteers in Children's Ministry have anything to do with kids. Thank you. Thank you for being another voice in the life of my kids saying the same thing that I'm saying. Because when they hear it from other people's mouths, what mom and dad have said at home, it starts to go, hey, wait a minute. A lot of people are telling me the same thing. Maybe I should listen. And we know that we all need encouragement along the way, do we not? And the more people encouraging us in saying the same things, it's a blessing. In church, that's the last thing. As we begin to kind of wrap up, I want to encourage you with this. You know, there's another reason why having a multitude of godly, influential voices in the lives of your kids is so important. You know, our world has a lot of voices that compete for, the, for what they're hearing, right? Our world has many voices clamoring for the attention and the affection of our children. And to be honest, most of them are not helpful or even good at all, right? You guys see that out there in the world? You with me? So what do we need? I don't need more of the culture speaking into my kids. What I need is for parents that are not involved, or parents who are involved here to be another voice in the life of my kids saying the same thing. I need us as a church to come alongside me. We need each other in this. And so parents, it should be your desire and your intentional pursuit to surround your children with other godly people. Intentionally bring people into your family that you want to influence your kids. You can do that. That's on you. Be intentional. We have people in our home all the time, and we're constantly trying to think, who can we have in our life that we want our kids to see? We want them to see their example. We want them to speak in. So parents, surround your family with other godly influences. Let those voices speak into your kids. Second of all, to all the believers in the room today, everybody in the room, regardless of your age, your season of life, 
how you feel called or gifted or qualified, wherever you're at, I would like to encourage you to see that part of your role here at TMC is to be another positive voice in the lives of the kids and the students here at this church, pointing them to Jesus, sharing biblical truth, modeling a life of faithfulness, integrity, and character, and godliness, and steadfastness. Come alongside these families, however the Spirit leads you. Like I said, maybe that's encouraging mom and dad. Maybe that's watching the kids. Maybe that's being more involved. I don't know. There's many ways you can do it. If you're looking for ideas, I'm sure Tracy and Jessica and Laura probably have some great ideas for you. I would have a few more as well. But let's be a body that's committed to not just looking at our own needs, our own family, although that's important, but let's also say who else is needing some support? Who else is needing some encouragement? How can I maybe come alongside to cheer on mom and dad and encourage them where they're at? So as we begin to wrap up, um, I just want to remind us again that healthy churches need healthy families, and healthy families need healthy churches. And as we all seek to do this together, that's the goal. Ephesians chapter 4, I don't have time to read it all, but Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the reality that God has given leaders to the church to help equip the body for the work of ministry. But part of that work, he says there, so that so part of the reason we have gifts and we have pastors and we're here to equip you is so that the body would build itself up in love, that we would attain to the unity of the faith, to mature manhood, that the whole body would be working together, coming together as one, every part working together so that it builds itself up in love, that we would be healthy, strong, united, steadfast in our doctrine, but also full of steadfastness in our love for one another. That is a part of the body that we're trying to cultivate here at TMC. And so we all have a part to play. If you're raising kids right now, that's probably your primary focus. Praise God, it should be. Let us know how we can help. But if you are not in that season, then what's your next step in the journey? Where has God placed you right now? And what has he entrusted you with? And are you leveraging your influence here at this church in tangible ways to raise up the next generation so that they know the Lord and they will not forget him? Are you in need of any kind of help, support, or encouragement? Again, reach out. We are not perfect. We do not have all the answers, but we sure desire to help as much as we can. All of our staff have that heart, and we'd love to equip you and encourage you in any way that we can. So if you need anything, come and ask, and we'll seek to equip you. Today, uh, if you are here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I'd like to speak to you for just a moment. You've heard me talk a lot about family and a spiritual family. Well, the bad news is that if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not a part of God's family. The Bible says that all people are born outside of God's family and that only by having a faithful, trusting, personal relationship with Jesus Christ by faith alone, that's the only way that you can be brought into God's family. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. We've all missed the mark. And the Bible tells us that the result of our sinfulness against God earns us death and separation from God for all eternity. And the Bible says that even when we were sinners, even in the moment of our sinfulness, Christ died for us. And the Bible says that anyone who will believe and repent and believe in Jesus Christ alone will be, will be forgiven, will be saved. You trust that he is God, that he rose from the grave three days later, conquering sin and death. And so if that's where you are today, I want to encourage you that the invitation today to turn away from your sinfulness, to turn away from self, is on the table. The only family 
that honestly matters for eternity is a spiritual family where you've been adopted into God's family. And that only happens through faith in Christ. So what does that look like? I want to encourage you to believe that Jesus is God, to confess that you'll follow him, that he is Lord and he is master, and to follow him the rest of your life regardless of the cost. If you have questions about what it means to follow Christ, what it means to believe in Christ, I would love to talk to you after the service. I'll be right down here. Pastor Mike, any one of our staff would be happy to talk to you. It's the most important thing in the world. And so if you have questions about walking with Jesus, please let me know. My contact information is on the screen, and I'd love to connect with you in any way possible to talk and answer your questions about faith in Christ. So church, um, I'm gonna pray for us. I just wanna encourage you. Thank you for those who are serving so faithfully to invest in our children here and our youth in so many ways. Thank you for all that do that. For those who are faithfully laboring in the trenches as we are, as raising kids, keep going. It's hard, but again, there's also a lot of wisdom in this room too. You don't have to parent alone. There's people in this room that have already parented through that season and are more than willing to come alongside you, walk with you, and say, hey, can I encourage you as you walk through that hard season? So younger parents like me, let's not be too prideful either. Let's be willing to say I need help. Let's be willing to say I don't know what to do. And I'd like some wisdom from someone else who's actually gone through that season. Let's be humble. And then those of you who get asked for help, be humble to say, you know what? I don't know if I know everything either, but I'll walk with you. Can we do that? I'm grateful for all of you. Let's pray, and then we'll sing our closing song. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word that has given us very clear instructions about the role of parents and the role of your body, the church. I pray, Father, for all the parents in the room that have just stood on this stage specifically today and have have said they dedicate their lives to raising their children, that they would remember that moment and that they would daily seek your help. They would daily seek your strength because parenting is not easy and none of us have all the answers, Father, but I know that you desire to walk with us in that. So may we be humble as we walk with you. For everyone else, Father, who may not be in that season, may they be willing to come alongside and to walk with others in their journey, to be an encouragement, a support, and an offering wisdom and guidance. For those who don't know you today, Father, who don't have a relationship with your son, Jesus, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. You would open their spiritual eyes to see their need for Jesus as Lord and Savior and King, and that they would humble themselves, repent of their sin, and follow Jesus. Father, thank you for this church and the faithfulness that you are helping us to create by your goodness. May we be found faithful in the years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.